You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, Brian Dable, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Coach, so nice, so <laughs> nice to have you on the show, uh, Coach. We have a lot oh. of questions for you. Um, hope you can brighten my mood because I had a shitty weekend. Any weekend when Florida, the Giants, the Knicks twice, New York City FC all lose, and Florida State... Georgia, Miami, Tennessee, the Eagles, and the Cowboys all win. I call that a suck job weekend. How are you, Coach? Well, I'm I'm on to the bye. So <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a uh... yeah. So um, I, I shaved my head. I was Brian Dable for Halloween. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening on the podcast, we implore you to yeah, you might want to go subscribe to YouTube, to YouTube and subscribe <laughs> and like us and make a comment because this is something you need to see. I uh, I said this. I said it kind of jokingly. I believe I was in the hotel in Mobile when I first said that. Like it was when we started hiring all the assistants and all the assistants were bald too. Yeah, I think that's when I made the joke. Like if the Giants were doing something this year, I would shave my head and be Brian Dable. For Halloween, and, and and like people were like laughing, and I was joking, but I was also like, yeah, I'll, I will absolutely do this. It's not that big of a deal for me. So uh, here I am. Um, you know, we're uh, most people do or don't know we are cousins, and I was blessed with the hair gene, and I got the height gene. Grump, Grump did not. So yeah. it's a trade-off. You get right. one or the other. So <laughs> it's, it's it's different sides of the same coin, really. You're, you're hampering <laughs> yourself one way or another. Um, so. Uh, I had a Halloween party Saturday, so Sunday was kind of a long, like, I didn't really know what time it was of the day at any point. You know, you ever get one of those? Like, I went to bed really late and woke up early because it just wasn't feeling right. Um, So this whole whole day was stupid. This game was stupid. Um, And it went kind of the way I thought it would or that I was worried about, especially once I saw that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were – I guess fully healthy with no restrictions whatsoever. They were absolutely fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how? Pete Carroll, man. I, I don't know. He's been in trouble for like shady shit before, right? Oh, ask USC. What uh, you know? The, the the joke was that soon as he why he just left out of the blue at USC was you know remember everybody remembers how Reggie Bush got into trouble, all this stuff going on, and he left them with probation. He's a he's a shady character for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame this loss on a shady coach or anything like that. No, but definitely definitely wild that both of those guys were like like DK Metcalf was carted off seven days ago. They were questionable. They barely practiced all week, and they didn't just play like they were like fine, um, with the exception of Tyler Lockett just not having hands this week, uh, mm-hmm. which played in the Giants' favor. So I don't know. They, they, the Giants lost twenty seven thirteen. It really was a very close game up until the fourth quarter. Though it was not very fun to watch, it was kind of brutal offensively. Um, do you want to start with the Giants' offense, or you want to start with the? Defense? I just want to start just a general statement. I think go that, for it. Uh, yeah, 
you know tell me about how you feel cranky are you cranky today no i'm not cranky i think this is just a, a reality check this game i think that uh you know We've had a lot of success the last five or so weeks. We've, we've won, and winning is the bottom line for everything. But winning doesn't make you all of a sudden a great team. I mean, if go back to every episode that we did. Go listen to every episode of Talking Giants. Go back listen to Locked On Giants. All of those shows, we were all pretty similar in our observations and projections for this team. It was the beginning of a rebuild. That's why we brought in a new general manager. That's why we brought in a new head coach. And... You know, we now have eight games of data points with this team. And what this team is, it's a team that is in the middle of a beginning of a rebuild, doesn't have any resources to make it immediately better, but is getting the most out of the talent that they have. And as the season goes on, talent on a team usually drops instead of increases because of injuries and things like that. This team doesn't have much depth, so when all of a sudden you have now three starting offensive linemen out, you have injuries, you know, you're depleting the your, your wide receivers for injuries, you're you're trading wide receivers, so no chance of them coming back. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, any thoughts that this team was because they were winning were a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender, I think it's a, a reality check for some people. Um, we're going to talk later in this episode about what we should do with the trade deadline and does the does the thinking change from this one game? Um, I, I don't think it is. I think we're maximizing what we've done. I think it's helping this rebuild process and building the culture faster. But you know, the bottom line is the talent level on this team is a team that you can't assume is going to beat bad teams yet. You can't assume they're going to go on the road in hostile environments and just assume they're going to win. You know, it's and I just having that kind of mindset didn't make me as super fired up, pissed off as a lot of people are who all of a sudden now are like, you know, mortgage the future for right now. And I, I just think we just kind of keep staying in the course. We have a bye week coming up, two more winnable games. We're going to earn the right to be in the playoffs, not a team that will be in the playoffs. We've earned the right to be there. And this season is, you know, Fine and dandy. And then, you know, the more of the work we've done in the offseason. Yeah, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. When this episode comes out, it will be the day of the deadline. So, you know, we've had a lot of rumors, whatever. It is going to be addressed. I think it's a major point mm -hmm. because there is sort of a disconnect, I think, among the fan base as to where this team is and what the expectations are, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe they're just caught up in it. It's a little hard to tell. Um, no, I think you're right on both counts. I think it's a combination of both things. I think... When you start winning, you forget very quickly what you thought this team is, and you just look at the results. And that's not at all a knock on anybody or a knock on a fan or anything, but it's just you said it exactly right. You get swept away in it, and it's like, well, we'll win this game and this game and this game, and you know, on, on to Philly and away we go. But uh, this is the reality check. It, it absolutely was, and maybe it's good for the fans to kind of get that dose of humility before they get just completely unrealistic expectations and then you start getting unrealistic expectations on this coaching staff in the front office and we don't need that at this point right now yeah um i want to i want to save the coaching staff for uh the mm -hmm. offense but i do want to start on the mm -hmm. defense because i didn't think this game was all bad um for starters i thought they held um well they held walker in check absolutely he had no touchdowns until pretty much the moment the game got out of hand which was nice. the second fumble 
inside their own territory. I mean, at that point, the defense was gassed, and then he he pretty much uh, reversed field, broke one tackle, and scored a touchdown like a 16-yard gain. Other than that, he, including that 16-yard gain and touchdown, he only had 51 yards. This is the home run hitter. They did a great job. And you know who stood out the most to me? I mean, they were getting – they have been getting a lot from, like, guys like Taman Fox, who Mm -hmm. I did not think was making this roster. If he did make the roster, I thought he – if he played, it meant that everyone was hurt. Um, But he's getting legitimate starting reps, and I can't even say that he doesn't deserve them because he's stepping up to the plate. Um, Leonard Williams played out of his mind. He mm-hmm. still looks a little slower than normal to me in terms of uh, just leg movement. He looks a little clumsy at working on that that MCL issue, but in terms of shedding guys, ripping people, getting into the getting into the gap, making ferocious, he was jumping over dudes to make tackles. He was insane. He was big cat. He was big cat this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, let. This was a very good offense we've been playing in Seattle. They've been putting up points. Geno They've Smith been. has been one of the stories of the league. And this was not a, a game where they boat race this by any stretch. We, and, they, and they're not hurt. The, yeah. We're going to go into the injuries that hampered our offense a little bit. Um, they're not hurt. Both mm-hmm. of their injured guys played and played right. just fine. <laughs> they yeah. both had touchdowns. They, they both put up a ton of yards. I mean, uh, Tyler Lockett was... Uh, Five of eight for 63 yards and a touchdown. So held in check, but one of those was also a drop. Mm-hmm. Just a straight drop, hit him in the face mask. That was an easy touchdown. Um, and Metcalf, they held to six of 10 for 55 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were kind of... This was a different game plan. So in the past, we were kind of getting... Our linebackers were getting worked. For whatever reason, Seattle tried to test our corners. Um and it certainly didn't work early in the game. Fabian Moreau and Adoree Jackson started this game looking like elite corner. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Fabian Moreau was in every play. Like, I don't know why they keep testing this dude. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. And then they, they threw to Adoree Jackson. Like, he was making pass breakups all over the place. In the end zone, on third down conversions, he was making pass breakups. He looked fantastic for most of this game, including uh, essentially setting the Giants up for their only touchdown in this game with the strip fumble of Tyler Lockett. And he recovered himself and nearly scored on his own as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought there were a lot of really good things from the defense. And I think it didn't really break down for them until they started getting gassed in like the fourth quarter. I thought they, they were certainly getting home to Geno Smith. They got like three sacks and two drives. Um, getting tons of pressure from Leonard Williams. Um, Thibodeau was getting a lot of pressure. They were getting a lot of success with secondary, second-level blitzes as well. They were sending guys like uh, Dane Belton. Micah McFadden got his first sack in the NFL mm-hmm. in this game uh, on a on an outside corner blitz. It looked who had like that, who had that safety was that McKinney that that was just... McKinney lit him the fuck up. Yeah. I thought he was gonna fumble because he was not looking at all. Um, that was insane. That. There's a cartoon bubble cloud that says, oh, shit, behind oh, yeah. my apartment when he when he was about to run. I was like, oh, shit, here it comes. And just, <laughs> yeah, there was a sound effect. There was everything. <laughs> um, Xavier McKinney's been playing well. He's got a completely different role in this defense. And uh, I guess he's not really putting up the flashy stuff. Um, 
but I think he's still playing really, really well. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it doesn't really, with him as like the deep help guy, they're not really getting tested too deep. There's not really a whole lot of opportunities for that. Like, Yeah, there was, overall in this game, there was nothing to me that was like, oh, bad scheme, bad execution, bad, you know, play calling. It was just, like you said, I think they just, they wore down because the offense really couldn't do much of anything. And I think it's just, uh, you know, you're playing a pretty decent offense. Like I said, like Geno Smith is up there for, I guess comeback player of the year, but if you haven't come back from anything, you really shouldn't get that award, right? Yeah, getting come back from what? Being benched? Yeah, for never starting. I mean, Saquon Barkley should be comeback player of the year from a major injury. You know, if there's some special award you give to Gino, fine, but... So he said something, there was like a pro football talk article, and I didn't read it. I read the headline. Sorry, whatever. (laughs) Um, But he said that this game is for Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo. And it, whatever, I guess they're the the ones who gave him the chance or, or something like that. But it's that's like, it. Yes. Go fuck yourself. I don't I don't know what to tell you. You still didn't deserve to be playing in that game. No, playing no. him in that game made no sense. No, no, no. It I, made I, no sense. I don't think that was made at all as like an F you to those guys. I think it was just like a thank you for letting because he didn't play that terribly in that game, too. Right. No, Are he you? didn't play badly, but that wasn't really the point. The point when we made it was that you're you're benching a superior player who maybe yeah, can't but, run, whatever. But the point was is that Geno, Geno Smith was on a one-year deal. He right. was not signed through the next year. So all that they had done was advertise his services for other teams and jack up his price. And if they it, and, knew what they had and they wanted to keep him long-term, and that was part of their vision, they should have just shelved his ass and, and not shown him to the league and right. re-signed him first. Right, and that's, I think that's all he's saying, nothing more, nothing less. Like I guess so, but it's yeah, – I don't know. D- 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 Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese deserve no credit for playing him in that game, no matter what the collateral damage. Well, was. I mean, they get they deserve no credit from a giant standpoint because they probably screwed themselves by losing a good backup. They but both I got think, fired too for that same yeah, decision. It, exactly, but I mean, I don't think he was looking at it in terms of their benefit of being giants because again, we're I talking we're talking it's several th- years down the road just for him himself, which still took years to kind of percolate. Yeah, I did that. Is that? Is there really a direct correlation between those two things? Right. It's like a whole separate thing that I'm not I mean, not they tried sure to do exists. a narrative. They tried to do a narrative before the game of, oh, this is the Geno Smith revenge game. I'm like, revenge game for what? He was here for like half a year. Like, we didn't even really acknowledge his presence here until the moment that he right. was selected as a revenge, starter. Revenge, so. if anything, he got to play more than he should have. He never should have yes. played in that game to begin <laughs> with. So, I mean, that's just, that's just media trying to create something out of nothing. I also just like, just like the football game is story enough. Like we don't need subplots sometimes. Well, if that was the case, we wouldn't have these stupid halftime shows and, and uh, oh, you know, good. singing, the, singing the Sunday night song either. So where would we be um, defensively? Uh, I'm, I'm giving out two stars. I'm giving one to Leonard Williams, uh, mm-hmm. not just because he's playing injured, but he really looked like an animal out there. I thought he looked fantastic. And I flip flopped on this one, but I am still going to give one to a Dory Jackson because Every elite corner is going to get double moved once in a while, mm-hmm. but more plays than not, Adoree Jackson was fan fucking tastic in this game. He's fantastic. playing like a quarterback, a cornerback one for sure. Yes, I mean yeah. I have it on my list. Uh, you know, kind of like an in pencil star because you know I don't. Um, I really didn't have that many stars to give out this week, but if it, he was Same. one under consideration, I have one legitimate star. I'll give in a minute, but um, defense. No. Okay, I, I have like an honorable mention for Fabian Moreau. Uh, I mean, like a bunch of guys did play really well, but didn't stand out too much. Fabian Moreau kind of stood out to me, especially earlier on in the game. 
So I thought he was kind of deserving of some recognition, but it just... I don't know if this is a star, but it's to say acknowledgement. You know, I said in my, my preamble was, you know, there are guys that are playing because of depth issues that probably shouldn't be in this league right now. And you're seeing cracks in this team now because of that. But the guys that are playing who should not should be on the street right now, some of them are doing a very good job. And, you know, Fabian Moreau could be classified as one of those guys you know, at this point. So absolutely for the guys that, you know, they're put into a position. It's not their fault that they're in. I know we're going to talk about um, our esteemed punt returner in a minute, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's not their choice why they're out there. They're out there because we have nothing else from the state of the roster, decisions made by this front office, whatever. And you can't grade them on such a harsh scale if they can't execute because they are what they are. But when these guys are executing, you get you know a tip of the hat. I don't think that this is a fart, but... I guess it's like a drop-off. I don't want to give a fart to a guy who I think was outperforming my expectations and then coming back down to earth. But I thought Jihad Ward was kind of invisible in this game and maybe maybe was a victim of biting on cutbacks from Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Um, he's. I didn't really expect him to do anything except spell Thibodeau and Ojolari and give them breathers and maybe play a little bit on the inside on some like third down packages where they would rush him from the tackle position or something like that. But he has been an insane run stopper in this defense. He's even put some serious pressure on quarterbacks. He hasn't been faked out on a lot of stuff. He's been keeping his contain, his leverage. He's also been chasing stuff down. I didn't see it this week from him. I thought he looked a little what I expected when the year started. Uh, So it's not really a fart to say that he went back to what I expected, right? Yeah, that's not a fart. I mean... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think Maybe so. Maybe a it, silent fart, but it doesn't even stink. Yeah. But no. I, well, I think well, something stinks, but I don't really know what it is. Yeah, I, I think it's a little gurgle in the stomach. So we're going to let right. that one pass. Because again, well, if this is Leonard Williams or something, sure. Right. Yeah. Blast away. But for a guy <laughs> like him, who's just doing his job, who is, you know. Maybe. I mean, he's not. All star talent is not expected of him. No. When he plays above expectations, we can't expect that. We can, give a, we can give a star for that scenario, but we can't give a fart when he's not. Let's, let's stick with the most obvious fart. Richie James on special teams. This was So this was a game, and I'm going to get into this a little bit. It was a bad game. Things went wrong. They didn't play well in certain mm-hmm. areas. Don't get me wrong. Not taken away from that. Going to mention all that. But it also, this game to me, and it more evident than anything in special teams, felt like a game where the nothing just goes right. Mm-hmm. When, when things just go wrong for you. The moment you block a field goal and it still goes in, <laughs> that was kind of the moment for me. I was like, we're not winning That's this when game. you start thinking about the bye week. And like, okay. well, it's just like, we're not winning this game. We, we're, right. Even when we do shit right, we do it wrong. Um, so special teams, look, Richie James, the first fumble, both fumbles inexcusable. The second one, I mean, I know he didn't even get, t- but like he got walloped. And we see it all the time. Guys get laid out. They just let go of the ball. I don't mm-hmm. think it's anything egregious. I think he just got the shit knocked out of him. And, and yep. not for nothing, got a concussion on the play. The camera angle, there's guys running in. It kind of looked like he took a little bit of the forearm to the face. But I don't know if that happened. doesn't really matter. Not a penalty. It's just the matter of the fact he put the ball on the ground twice. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. As a punt returner, I don't even care if you don't gain any yards as long as you don't put the ball on the ground. As long as you just catch the ball and don't fuck it up. That's kind of like the minimum. Um, here's my thought. Well, here, here's my thing. 
For starters, people I saw already like, oh, Thomas McGay, he's been here for forever. Why aren't we firing the special teams coordinator? I don't think you fire a special teams coordinator for a return or fumbling, right? Like that's not scheme related. Special teams coordinator gets the guys on the roster that make the roster. They don't really have a huge say in much other than the specialists. Um, You know, they might have their pick of two guys on who they prefer as the returner and the other one gets cut. Maybe. And then there's also a chance that that person gets cut in that wave of whatever goes on for a week as all rosters are doing cuts. They Special teams coordinators get what they fucking get. And they get what they have to work with. And nobody was pounding the table for Richie James to be a punt returner on this team in February and March. Nobody. Nobody really cared. So... This was kind of a thing that's going to happen when you don't really have a lot of talent on your roster. Your special teams usually suffers. And, and not only not a lot of talent on your roster, now you have to dig into the that lack of depth you already had. And that's why I don't give him a fart. I think he's just, he's out there. He's not who we'd want to have out there. I know somebody who could be out there who will be active this week for another team as a punt returner, but is not on this roster anymore. So... Well, I'm still going to give Richie James a fart because I know, whatever, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the only thing you can't do is fumble on special. The only thing you can't do on special teams is turn the ball over. You can't get penalties that will convert the first down for the other team, which is effectively a turnover, and you can't put the ball on the ground. It doesn't—you don't have to score home runs. The good teams don't have to uh, take it to the house on a kick return or a punt return every week. Uh, it's a nice bonus, and it certainly helps the good teams be great. I mean, I, if you want to give them a fart, I don't have a problem with it. To me, my personal scale is, you know, again, we are digging deep to find somebody to handle the position and handle the job. And if you can't handle the job, it's more of a reflection of that's the state of this roster right now. And yeah, but I mean, we we'll have to find like somebody he, else to do it. Yes, I agree with you, but I mean, this is kind of. I don't really care about that because, like, if he, if he if he were the backup punt returner and our normal guy got hurt, or maybe maybe Kadarius Tony is our normal guy and he got traded this week, and now it's up to you, Richie James, and he fumbles twice, I'm a little bit more forgiving than the guy who's been returning punts all year. So, and I, I believe he muffed a punt at one point, or that might have been preseason. I think that was it doesn't pre-season. matter. Either way. You know, none of us were really thrilled with the idea of Richie James back there. He was kind of the only one that had some shimmy to his step out there. Well, let's talk about something that's a little more important for him. So now all of a sudden, like during the game, Twitter was ablaze with, he needs to be cut immediately. Now, this is a, a wide receiver room that is as thin as possible. Well, hold on, with. hold on. Yeah. Before anything. This team right now is not in a position to cut anyone. I know. That's where I'm going. That's <laughs> but exactly where I just was headed. Not even about replacement level. I mean, they literally are – the guys they have, they have because that's all there was. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm building into that point and a bigger point also. It's just kind of – they don't have anybody. And the guys they even had that could potentially come back, they've traded away. So I don't know where this – unless, you know, this – Mythical trade does happen, which we'll talk about shortly. Right now, you can't, we're not in a position to be cutting anybody. And I also think it goes to a bigger point of what are people's expectations for this team? You know, maybe we should say that for later, I think. Because again, I think people now have this perception of what we are and what we should be. And 
helping right around the corner, which it not necessarily is right now. So yeah, well, the, the other thing too is, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in depth in just a little bit, but like, yeah, the idea of, well, we'll just sign somebody up. Anything else is better. We've been through this, no. <laughs> not anything else. Seriously. If something else were better, they would be on a team somewhere else. Right. We are no longer the bottom of the league. We may have a bad roster-ish in some spots and others, but this is a team that's only lost two games. Right. If there was a better option out there, they would have grabbed him. They're not just rolling with it because it's working. Like They are trying to upgrade stuff. They are thinking for the future. They are... They are making moves. So one of the biggest a... fallacies, one of the biggest fallacies in sports is next man up. You can't do the job. Well, the guy behind you will do the job for you. Wrong. We have a, a meritocracy for the most part in sports where the best guy plays, the second best guy backs him up, the third best guy backs that guy up. You know, right next now, next man up. That's like a phrase for like encouragement for the team, for the individual that has to step up. It's right. It's like a mentality it's a thing. It's not a real use. philosophy for roster building. Mm-hmm. That's like a coaching, like, right. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's like, that's like the player mindset thing where it's just like, well, we just got to keep working as a team. Don't let it get you down. Keep focused. That yeah. kind of thing. That has nothing to do with like roster building. Like next man up is, is a coaching philosophy. Yeah. Anything is better than this. <laughs> All I have to do is say, look at our quarterbacks at the end of last year, and you tell me if anything is better. Everybody could not stand uh, – what's his name? Backup quarterback last year. Glennon last year. Everybody oh. put in from. Anything has to be better. No, sir. Far, no. far worse. Anything has anything is better than this is like a Daria quote. That's like <laughs> – that's like sarcasm. Yeah. Don't use don't use sarcasm as a legitimate tactic. Right. Right. Um, all right. So, with that said, let's go to the offense. So, mm-hmm. offensively, I'm gonna before we get into actually, I'll, let's start with this. Daniel Jones was 17 to 31 for 176 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He got sacked five times. He had six carries for about 20 yards. We knew this wasn't going to be a big DJ running game. Yeah. Um, Barkley had 20 carries for 53 yards. He had a touchdown as well. And big surprise. Not really. Um, but my lone offensive star, who do you think it is? Darius Slayton. It's got to be Darius Slayton. Five of, five of six for 66 yards does not tell the whole story. The one mm-hmm. incompletion, he slipped on his route at late in the game where it was raining. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a sharp cut, so it, it happens. Um, but it wasn't just – I mean, they were all deep third-down conversions. The Giants were kind of playing behind the sticks this whole game. Um, and that's going to go into uh, – no, congratulations, Darius Slayton. I always knew you could do it. I don't know why they were sitting you for the first half of the year. Anyway. Um, it's been one of the biggest mysteries of this team is why they are – they do not feel that anybody in that wide receiver room is up to their standards to play. And no, I, I hope their opinion has changed. I, I hope so. That would be one of the biggest questions I'll have in the offseason if they ever have like a – they open up the books and talk a little bit more. It's, you know, shelving guys in the beginning of the season for not playing who are clearly our best guys and just waiting till there's absolutely no other options to get guys like Slayton to play. And and for reasons that seem like just not our guy. Yeah. I mean, that to me has been the biggest knock I've had on the coaching staff is just the way they've handled some of the talent. 
mm-hmm. which it just felt like it's just not our guy. Whether Canarius it's, Tony would still be on this roster if it wasn't just one of our guys. I'm convinced. Maybe maybe Blake Martinez. I mean, like this is mm-hmm. also kind of wrapped in a shroud of mystery. This this sure. regime is very tight lipped, so it is all speculation. Could be wrong, but right. it's the only criticism I really have. Where it's just like I don't. I have no explanation for this other than they didn't pick him, so they don't like him. But the guys they have are fucking dudes in street clothes. Uh, yeah. And you're really telling me this legit six-round pick that had an insane uh, rookie season is, like, worth shit to you? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this was something that I saw uh, a lot of. Um, the Giants offense struggled right out of the gates. They didn't play particularly well this whole game, though they had moments. Um but one thing I saw over and over and over again was that, like, I don't know what Mike Kafka's calling. Why aren't we running the ball? Why are we always throwing the ball? For starters, the pass blocking actually looked fucking good. I'm going to hit you with that. Tyree Phillips handled the right side in pass blocking pretty damn well. I don't think Daniel jo- – I mean, I know he got sacked five times, but also they were playing behind in the scoreboard. Yeah, some of that, some of that at the very end when it was basically over. So. Exactly, yeah. So those those numbers are inflated. Daniel right. Jones, I thought, was manipulating the pocket well. I thought he was moving the pocket well. I thought he was throwing the ball well. Um, Seattle kind of just played good defense is a little bit of it. The other thing is uh, Daniel Bellinger is a really good run blocker. So is Evan Neal. Mm-hmm. Tanner Hudson is not a good run blocker. Yeah, My point was going to be, you know, remember, we are playing this game for the first time with three starters in the offensive line out. So you're getting, and before the season, we all said this offensive line, you know, we've done a good job on the tackles, and even Evan Neal's going to have to grow and learn, but still, we had concerns about the guards and even at center. So when you're getting down to this level of depth and this lack of talent level, they're not going to be studs on both sides of pass blocking and run blocking. Something is going to, they may be good at one thing, but not good at both. And yeah, Uh, and even though Seattle's run defense is bad, they like almost everybody else is making the conscious decision. Stop Barkley first, make Daniel Jones beat you with these terrible receivers. I think, I think teams are starting to realize that it's not just let Daniel Jones beat me, but rather let these shitty receivers beat me. I think that might be something subtle that might be changing. The way defenses are approaching the Giants. Right. That's a testament and, to Daniel Jones. And I, I think Mike Kafka has already gotten ahead of this. I alluded to this in our last episode. I really think that we – because last week we did the same shit. We, we came out of the gates – so, I, I, okay. I saw constantly that, like, I have no idea why we're not running the ball. And I saw it from beat writers as well as, uh, you know, the normal fan, the casual fan, uh, the angry fan – um, Our text know, group of you know yeah, in, uh, informed we, we people it. that we you know yeah it was everywhere last week on their first drive of the game which we all I, well I don't want to say all I thought was one of the best opening drives this team's had this year they had seven straight passes before a run on that touchdown drive mm-hmm. that was it they came out throwing the ball last week the second drive last week they had a seven play drive that ended in a punt only one was a run play. Then they started introducing Barkley. They are forcing defenses to play the pass first and then allowing Barkley to get going. This week, their first two drives, it just didn't work. They Mm -hmm. did the same thing. They had three straight passes on three plays. They went three and out their first two drives. Some shit just wasn't quite working. I mean, Daniel Bellinger is a huge chain mover in this offense. Mm -hmm. Gone. Gone, Mm -hmm. dude. He's got a broken face. 
you know, Tanner Hudson can kind of catch the ball, whatever, but he's clearly more of a receiving threat. He's a little bit, but he's also not a great run blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we saw Darius Slayton was clearly a target. Um, Wondell Robinson was. Some stuff just wasn't getting caught. We saw Lucas Cager break free for a home run play call and Daniel Jones missed. Mm-hmm. And I could not believe people were like, what are we doing calling these? But it's like, dude, there was a touchdown. Yeah. It was a touchdown that was overthrown. Listen, here's the bottom line. We could all say that the one of the biggest reasons why this team had jumped out to the first half of the season they did was because of coaching. Now all of a sudden you can't start bitching about the coaching as being the reason why this team hasn't had any offense or anything. It's you can't have it both ways. You can't have it. You can't change your narrative to fit how you're feeling. Well, look. One of the biggest things is that Seattle came prepared for this offense. Mm-hmm. We saw that. I don't think they got fooled on one naked bootleg from Daniel Jones, nope. and that has been the dagger for this offense. I mean, that has been. I don't know. I mean, that's that's really been the thing that's just like on like third and four. We do that. It's fake, a special sauce. Then, it works. Yeah, yeah, and he just goes all open on the other side, and it's like a twenty-two yard play, and it just it opens the drive up. I mean, that's usually our scoring touch. We, we're scoring touchdowns on that drive. Um, Seattle understood that they stayed home. Nobody bit on Daniel Jones on the backside. They were they were prepared for that play, and that really fucked mm-hmm. us. I mean, quite frankly, I don't want to say they got out coached because I don't really believe that. I think that they. They, they met they, their matching coach. Yeah, they, they met their they, match. They were out coaching teams before this point. Now they were. Yes, coached. I thought this was this was a dead even heat, and that the 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 roster that was active this week, they just had too many key injuries to deal with both decent, good coaching, a good team, and two special teams fumbles. I mean, once you add that, it was just not possible anymore. Yeah, yeah. but uh, prior to the fumbles, this would have been a very very close game. I think, right? Level level playing field of equal coaching, the team with more talent is going to win. And on the field Sunday, Seattle had more talent than we did. And that's not the end of the world. You know, that's that's week eight in the NFL. That's not like college where, you know, one loss and everything is goes to shit. It's okay. Let's put everything in perspective. They'd won X amount with a four in a row they'd won. They're on the road, hostile environment. We went through all of that before. This yeah, they're also playing in the rain, West yeah. Coast. They did a shitload of traveling. Yeah. They're fucking hurt. This they have the a NFL. bye week next week. This, this was too many things to, for this roster to, to beat. Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. It's the NFL. Teams win and lose all the time. Teams that lose six games are most likely in the playoffs every year. And again, they didn't lose to. If this would have been one of the games the next two weeks, you know, they lose a home game to Detroit or they lose a home game to like Houston or something, then you get a little cons- like, okay, what's going on here? But Seattle, you know, they could, they could win that division potentially. So, uh, yeah, I would say I mean, so. very possible. I mean, still a ways to go, but, uh, does anybody over there look really frightening to you as winning, running away with that division? I don't see anybody. So it's okay. San Francisco looks kind of scary now that McCaffrey's there. Holy shit. Ooh, he had a hat trick of touchdowns. Yeah. The, the wife isn't back yet. Thank God. Because, She's going to give me the earphones. The <laughs> Pom-poms and everything. Um, <laughs> I, I I think Marcus Johnson sucks. I think that experiment's got to go. Um, I mean, look, I, I I know, right? I mean, they, they were getting something out of a, a street guy, and that, mm-hmm. that is what it is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you could say that about a lot of guys, but I mean, really, he's not doing anything to help this team at this point. And he's, maybe he's catching you, balls short of the sticks. He's not yeah catching shit past the, the sticks. He's they're not helping. Penalties. They're not he's helping not Daniel Jones. They're not helping him at all. Like coming back to the ball, like they're running their routes. And no, you sticking. know what? Mark Sanchez, I actually think is a terrible announcer. Uh, I think he's very charming and nice, and he's a little goofy and funny. But like, he was absolutely correct on that, and he, I think he pointed out Wandell Robinson, which is just like, but but on a, I guess it was like a slant route. He just kind of like he kind of jumped to catch the ball and just faded towards the corner and allowed the corner to break it up. Like if he had just stayed mm-hmm. and actually cut sharper and worked back towards Daniel Jones, that was a catch and run scenario. Yeah, and, and I think Sanchez was absolutely right in his analysis of that. Um, well, remember, so. Wondell is still a rookie and also coming from Kentucky where they're not exactly air raid you. So Yeah, and he's also like, kind of like half a running back in college mm-hmm. as well. But, I mean, we're talking about like guys like David Sills has been working with Daniel Jones for years now. Right. Still not that, working back to the ball. It's just never going to happen at this they, point, right? That's why they're just you know replacement-level garbage that are just filling a roster spot until people get better. All right, so since we're talking about wide receivers— that but seems to have been – do you have more. anything more on the offense? Well, I got one more star to give, and it's not really offense. Uh, Jamie Gillen. Oh, true. Okay. The guy – you know, in a game like this where it's it's a close game, the conditions aren't great, offenses are kind of middling around, you got to play field position. And he was fantastic. He's he been aver- money all year, really. He averaged 53.7 yards on six punts. He also – he had a boomer that almost got yards. downed – almost yeah. got downed inside like the one they just right. he just out kicked the gunners that's all yeah yeah so i mean special teams were rough but he was a, a bright spot in but were they really rough? i mean like they had a they the punts were fantastic they essentially blocked a field goal it really was just the two fumbles in my that's pretty uh, also also they had a great punt return that was called back on a horseshit penalty mm-hmm yeah, when you add but... that in as collectively the special teams i don't think played badly the mistakes that were made were insurmountable, inexcusable. And mistakes. that to me, that that gives that gives a fart on the special teams as a collective. I, absolutely, I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that, but yeah. it's also it's one of those things where it's just like we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. We've just got some adjustments to make. Yeah, but the so. offset of you know the, of the fumbles and stuff were the fact that the punter did a fantastic job, and he, I think he needs to, you know, he needs to be rewarded for that. Oh, fuck. I meant to mention this earlier about <laughs> offense. I, you know, I did say I disagree with, like, the criticisms of the play calling with Mike Kafka. And by disagree, I mean we all loved it when he did it last week and it worked. We just didn't like it this week when it didn't work. Of course. Um, but I will say nothing made sense at the half. Uh, I don't know what the plan was at the end of the half. We, re- we were running the ball, clearly letting the clock drain out to end the half because we started – the second half of the ball. Mm-hmm. And then on third down, we had there was a one second difference between the play clock and game clock and snapped it with 20 seconds left and threw a pass. We forced a punt in a scenario where you're playing it safe. That is the most mistake. I mean, that punt could have been blocked. You could fumble the snap. The punt could is be returned for where, touchdown. Is that something I don't where know Daniel what the Jones, fuck the punt. Maybe. Is he maybe. saw something that's like, oh shit, I need to, I need to hike it and get exploit that immediately. I would like and to know. And if it works, fantastic. I, I would like to know whose call that was. Because that to me, that didn't make sense. I don't mm-hmm. really particularly care if you want to pussy out in the half and just receive the ball in the second half and let mm-hmm. the clock drain out. I don't care about that strategy. But do it. Don't do it most of the way and then be like, consistent on your strategy. 
Um, and then, you know, what sucks about doing that, too, is the ensuing kickoff, I think we fucked up with a penalty, so we started on, like, the two yep. or something. Not really not really the greatest end of half into the start of the second half. Right. Um, I, will, I will say that much for the offense play calling. Yep. Um, but like we were saying before, we're talking about wide receivers. That's clearly the biggest conversation among Giants fans for mm-hmm. trades, um, mostly because they haven't had one all year. But now, especially since they traded away the guy I think all fans were waiting to come back into form in Kadarius Tony, they received additional picks that can then be dealt out. Um, and it, well, let's let's start let's, the conversation. Let, go ahead. Let's, let's start the conversation. Go right into it. Tell me all about what your thoughts are on trading because the deadline is effectively today at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Are you listening to offers? Just tell me your thoughts, basically. Basically, my thought is this. We have played half a season, and while the win-loss record is much better than I thought it would be, and we're playing, you know, we're playing to a level we didn't expect to, this roster to me is still the very beginning of a rebuild process. And my take for getting a wide receiver is I don't want to do anything that's going to jeopardize what my plan was before this season started. And what I mean by that very specifically is, does that mean do I want to try to get a wide receiver because we need one right now and it might help or something? Sure. But I'm going with the with the thought that this team has earned the right to be in the playoffs. This team is not competing for a Super Bowl. That doesn't mean they might sneak in somehow and have an upset here or there and find themselves in the Super Bowl. But I'm my after half a season of watching this team, watching everything, I am not counting on this team being at the same level as Philly, as Buffalo. So I don't want to do make moves that are going to potentially upset the path to get to that level, be it next year or the year after. So I would not make a move. Wait, wait, wait. That, that, wait Can, hold on. Okay. That would increase what the market value is I'm trying to doing if I would have done it in the offseason anyway. So if we need a wide receiver in this offseason, we're making a trade. And let's say it's for two draft picks, a fifth round and a seventh round pick. I don't all of a sudden want to do it right now for a first and a third because we want it for right now. This roster has so many holes still and so many depth issues that I don't want to have too much of future decision-making and future assets to just fill up a, a, a potential need for right now when there's still so many other things have to be done. Does that make sense? Of course. Um, this team is not just a wide receiver away from going to the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, and, so here, here's my 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 one thought for you though is mm-hmm. uh, people tend to say this, that, and it's just like you all realize that you'd be trading for the player for the life of their contract, not just for this year, right? That's true. But can I get can I get a similar player in the off season either through the draft where it'd be a lot cheaper, not to give up anything, or you're still giving saying, up a draft I don't, pick I don't in the want to draft. overpay for something right now at risking, you know, this general manager and this coaching staff and this front office, I think, has a master plan of how they're rebuilding this team. And I, I don't want to potentially derail that in, in a way because we went for, I, I don't want to even say the word quick fix, but overspend for something right now. Where what is the real rate of return for that right now? 
So uh, do you, would, would you like to play a little game of GM with me? Sure. You are Joe Shane, and I know I look like Brian Dable, but you okay. can't see me. So I'm a GM on the phone, and I'm not telling you who I am. Okay. I have a wide receiver for you if you are interested in listening. Sure. Okay. I'm going to forget cost, forget contract. Let's talk player only first. I'm not going to tell you his name. Okay. What are some things you want to know about this player? Uh, well, first of all, why are you putting him up for... My team is not in a good place right now. Okay, so it's got, no, it's got nothing to do with... He's a head case. It's got nothing to do nope. with can't stay on the field. It's just... So do you want to know about the guy himself? Do you want to know about his injury history, his stats? What do you want of to know? Of course. Now that it's not a question of there's nothing wrong with the guy physically or mentally, and I say okay. mentally meaning he's not I, a problem. I, I get what you're saying. All right. Yeah. So is, is the most important thing to you after you know he's not a, a problem in the locker room, is it injury the, the next thing you want to know about? I, I'm still trying to find um, – Putting aside costs for now. We're just, we're just learning about the guy. Uh, if I learn about the guy, yeah, I want to see you know what's his uh, what's, what's his, his health, what's his health history. Okay, he is not a big injury guy. Uh, did not miss a lot of time in his career. In 2015, he suffered a concussion but missed no time. In 2018, he suffered a concussion but it was in the Super Bowl. And in 2019, he suffered a concussion and missed two games. Other than that, injury history is clear. Uh, the, the number of concussions is starting to worry me. It's th- it's three. It's spread out over the course of four years. Yeah, um, three's a lot. Three's a lot. He's missed a grand total of two and a half games. I I, I, I get that, but this league also doesn't seem to care. About oh, co- all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know your standard for wide receiver injury history was so high. I don't no, know no, no, any no, wide I mean, receiver that doesn't even play seventeen no, 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 games I mean, a year. Three, three concussions. Period. Is it's not a deal breaker, but it's a it's a a factor in my decision making. So it's a factor, but it's, I it's as far as, yeah. Okay. As far as injuries goes, that's one of the best for wide receiver I've ever seen. Okay. Um, in terms of, uh, age, mm-hmm. do you want to know his age? Sure. He's currently 29 years old. He just turned it around week four. His birthday is in September. Okay. So he is not 30 yet. He's going to be 29 all year at the start of next year. He will only just be turning 30. Okay. Um, if you want to know what, what kind is his, uh, is he a slot guy? Is he a, is he an X? What is he? I would say he's an outside guy. He has the height to play in the slot, but he's not really. He's five ten, uh, but very fast. Uh, okay. Think think combine insane. Okay. Uh, so spe- he's definitely he can be schemed well into space. He's an additional additional deep threat option to Slayton. I think he pairs very well with Wandale Robinson. More importantly, like I said, he's 29. He's played on a variety of teams. He's a veteran wide receiver. He knows how to sit in zones. And he, like we were saying, he knows how to help and work back towards a scrambling quarterback. Why has he been on a variety of teams? He's been traded around. It's a good, it's a, it's a fair question that I don't have an answer to. Okay. So I'm still, I'm still listening. I'm not hanging up the phone, but now we have to start asking the hard questions. Well, um, if, you, if you want to know if it's stats related, I can tell you in 2014 was his rookie year. 2015, 1,000 yards. 2016, 1,000 yards. 2017, 1,000 yards. 2018, 1,000 yards. 2020, 1,000 yards. 2021, 1,000 yards. So he's been traded around, but he has produced like a madman. Okay, so now we have to ask the questions, I guess. What is his current contract situation? His current contract situation is not great. 
This is the biggest hangup for me. By the way, we are talking about Brandon Cooks. Okay. This is Brandon Cooks who put up a, a thousand yards twice in Houston. Once without Watson last year, which is insane. I didn't even realize he had done that. Um, so here's the thing. Brandon Cooks, his contract, he is signed through 2024, but he has a 2023 out. He will okay. be turning 31 just after the start of the season okay. uh, in 2024. We're talking about So that's that last year. Um, just this past April, he had signed that two-year extension. Um, 2023, I said he had a dead cap out. Uh, sorry, uh, 2024. He, you can cut him after 2023. 2023 is the bad part of his contract. He's worth 26 million dollars with a 34 million dollar dead hit. So that is uncuttable and basically untradeable next season. Okay. My only so this, so this year is like at this point he's owed basically a million dollars because the the season's already started. Most of his contract's been paid out. He can he he fits currently under this year's cap without any roster movement. Okay. What, so it's it's you, really next year that's the big problem. Okay, so let's uh the other important thing is what do you want for him? So here's my thing. I I, I don't know as a GM. We we heard that they're asking for a day two pick. Uh, uh sorry, a second round pick. They're not going to get that for him. They're not going to get mm-hmm. it for him. I mean, and this is where you you make that announcement in the media, right? Where you're going to drive up his price. You're going to get people desperate as we get closer to the deadline. I don't know that Houston is such an insane seller at this point that they are really trying to get rid of him, but they have to be thinking about that contract next year as well because mm-hmm. they are a rebuilding team that needs shit in order, and that is a whole new regime in there taking over all sorts of horse shit. So they have to be wanting to get rid of that as well. We just saw Howie Roseman do some finagling with Robert Quinn's contract where they just, at, on, on the trade, agreed between all parties to void the final two years of his contract. So it's essentially a this year trade, which Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've ever seen moving like that before. Um, Look, I don't really know how it's going to go down, but this is my thoughts on Brandon Cooks. I'm I'm not slamming the table for him, but he's the one guy I actually think makes sense. I think he fits in this offense because the other guys that are pointed to are slot guys. We were already complaining that we had too many fucking slot guys with Wandale, Tony, and Richie James. I don't know why people are looking for more slot guys. As it, but like not just looking for it, but shopping for them. I'm not opposed to trading for Cooks without giving up too much. From a contract standpoint, the Giants have, I, I think they might have leverage to drive down the negotiating price because of that cap hit. Um, well, I'm thinking, you know. They'll have some competition to deal with though, so it might be tricky to navigate. I mean, it- how they're going to rebuild this team, my assumption will be the majority of it through the draft. They're not going to be spending a lot on high-paid free agencies. Like This would be the high-paid free agent, in effect, if it's 20-something million dollars, and that's just for one year. Yeah, but I, I just wonder if, upon trading, if they can just work something out to spread that out, add a year, something like that. I mean, like I said, add a year, he's only 32. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, not, we're not talking about an over-the-hill guy. But that is that is kind of the point where it's like 32 years old. What are we doing here? Exactly. Um, but it, but it can be worked around. And I don't I, see. I'm a bad person to have an opinion on this because some of the cap management stuff and the new things that have come yeah. around is really tricky to navigate. I am, but I am more open to this if we think that the because of that contract, we wouldn't have to give away 
a lot of draft assets because that's what I'm afraid of. It's just, of course, well, yeah. yes and no. So, so here's the thing. I think trading for a guy like Cooks is an investment into the future. I don't think he's a trade for this year guy. He's not a fossil. He's 29. He's still one of the fastest receivers in the league. I think he's a top 30 wide receiver, which immediately makes him by far the best receiver on this team. Yeah. Uh, and also, he's he's legitimate. Like he, he's he's a legitimate threat that needs to be schemed against. Very mm-hmm. very very hard. Um, I, I think the bigger question is when people say like I don't want to mortgage the future is is just because you're giving up multiple draft picks doesn't mean you're giving away a lot in my opinion because I think people put a lot of value on day three picks that in my opinion don't it just doesn't exist because you can get a draft gem here and there I mean what is your expectation for the life of a contract of a day three pick well that's I mean, it I mean to me you can get away day- with some day three picks that's great but if they all of a sudden they want you know they want a second and a third well Obviously, right. But if they right. want, if you can negotiate it down to the the exact same third and six you just got for Kadarius Tony, you were essentially trading Kadarius Tony for Brandon Cooks. As far as players go, they're not really comparable. Uh, obviously, oh, one is younger, but the availability right there. I mean, you're trading something that was giving you nothing for something that will give you absolutely something. Who, by the uh, way, is who is now active for this? He's weekend. he's active. I, Look, I didn't want to get rid of Tony. Uh, mm. That is definitely a talent I was excited about having here. So mm. don't get me wrong, but no. we are here today on November 1st. Right, he's not here anymore. Uh, he's, it's gone. Right. Here's my separate question, and I want to keep this to only like five minutes because this is going to be – I just want to see your uh, <laughs> your thoughts on this. Sure. One thing that was mentioned was that Cooks only wants to go to a contender. I asked just kind of blanketly like – do people view the Giants as a contender? And a lot of people were like, well, 6-1, and the 6-1, of course. Yes. In the short term, it is easy to sell the contender line. They are six and, they're now 6-2. and two. Uh, They don't really have a particularly difficult schedule going forward. There seems to be a clear path to the playoffs, a very foreseeable path to the playoffs. Every, nothing should be assumed with this team. But they are winning even though they're banged up. Um, they con- have been, they've been banged up all fucking year, and they've continued to win. You know what a contender means to me? A contender to me means in the playoffs, I can go into any stadium and I think I can win. Well, so here's the thing. I don't think this team right now can go into Philly on, you know, let's say that's the, the, the Saturday night game. And I don't think this team goes in and wins. Well, so here's the thing: when you when you bring when you bring up Philly, and I know you're bringing them up because they're the top of the league, but they're the NFC East team, so they have to play Philly three times. But I mm-hmm. said this last week, and I continue to think it. I believe this coaching staff can coach them to win just about any game. And that's with this current roster. I don't fucking know what they can do with the Brandon Cooks on this team. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, maybe I can be convinced into thinking they could win any game if they had a number one wide receiver this year. But that's a this year thing. I, th- I think when you say contender, what l- let's look at the long term contenders because Brandon Cooks is not going to be traded for one year; it's a three year contract. Mm-hmm. So, what are they next year? They have serious roster c- questions. Quarterback Barkley, which is the brunt mm-hmm. of their offense. Wide receiver besides Brandon Cooks still needs to be addressed. Tight end still needs to be addressed. Interior offensive lineman needs to be addressed. A year of tape on what this offense and defense were doing this year. 
Absolutely. Defensive line. Leonard Williams' big contract number is going to have to be dealt with at a certain point. Linebacker, corner. These are all. Are these. Are the Giants a contender this year by the numbers? Absolutely. Are they long term? It really remains to be seen. I have no idea who the quarterback and running back of this team are next year. Right. I really don't know. Yep. It's hard for me. If I'm Brandon Cooks, I. I know the Giants are technically this year contenders, but when you consider the fact that he'd be moving to a new place for pretty much a this year shot and the rest is a fucking gamble, it's really hard to view the Giants as long-term contenders in the life of that three-year deal, right? Well, well, okay, I won't say really hard, but there are there are big questions there. Like, are they going to invest in Daniel Jones? Do they do they have a different option at quarterback next year? They're not really playing themselves into a C.J. Stroud conversation no, or a Bryce no. Young conversation or a Hendon Hooker conversation. They're not playing themselves into a drafting a quarterback conversation. So, I, I, yeah, but I think the odds are more and more likely that they'll work out something with Jones to come back at least even for another year. Do wide receivers want that? Yeah. Well, first of all, does he have a no trade clause in his contract? I mean, is it no. even? No, he is requesting a trade. Actually, I think. He's I gotta look that up. I actually yeah. don't know, but I don't think I don't. I think Houston's shopping him because Lovey Smith is moving right, but things he around. Can't there. veto a trade. I don't think so. I, like right. I said, he wants so to go to a contender. Does it really matter if he wants to go to where he gets uh, ultimately gets dealt? I mean, what's he gonna do? I mean, I, I don't know. Who? Yeah, he could. Right. I mean, I don't know that we've seen that at all. Right. Uh, but again, he's not being traded to a team that right now has no prospects. I mean, right now the perception of the Giants is, you know, overachieving this year. That coaching staff has got this on the right path. You know, the perception of this team is a lot better than a team like, for example, Houston. For sure. example, this is just you know, ugh, what are they doing? Or even would you would like you Arizona. say that um would you say that the marketability of New York would factor in for him. I don't know what his personality is, but uh, I think it's always. I mean, he would know. be the only wide receiver that would be getting any kind of marketing deal, right? Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, who's who are the faces? Like, if you're like, oh, let's get a Giants player to to advertise our stuff. I mean, you have Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and then what from the offense? Kayvon Thibodeau. That, but that's not offense. Oh, on the offense. Yeah. See, the thing about. At the end of the day, it comes down to winning, too, and being successful. I mean, sure. just being a giant, you know, it doesn't move the needle as much as well as being being relevant. The Giants the Giants have to fight a lot of things in this city to be super relevant. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that among the giant fan base. I mean marketable, where the non-hardcore giant fans like, oh, because Kayvon Thibodeau is wearing that watch, I'm buying that watch. I get you. So, I don't know. Again, I don't know what his personality is. He might be from a small town who just, you know, look at Kadarius Tony. That obviously playing in New York was not good for him. <laughs> Didn't help. Did not help. Um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not really slamming the table for a trade for a wide receiver. But this one actually makes sense to me. And I think, like we acted out that phone call. I think you can listen. 
You mm-hmm. can listen to offers for this one. This one makes sense to me. I think it's possible. I think that they have an uphill battle to climb, and I don't know they want to pull the trigger. The Giants currently have nine draft picks already. They're, they have a chance to gain two more with the losses of Austin Johnson, Evan Ingram, Lorenzo Carter. Mm-hmm. 11 draft picks is kind of a lot. Um, That's but, true. But, but Joe also... Shane did mention having 11 draft picks like 17 fucking times last offseason. Like but it also saying gives you a number. lot of flexibility during the draft. You can it package does. and trade up. You can package and trade down. You can trade out for the following year. There's a lot of – having more options is just as important as what you actually get with the, with the picks. I mean there I just, are – I, I okay, okay. I just want to make this point because I, I'm not saying you're making this, but people keep saying that they're like, "You just brought up a great point of packaging up picks to move up to get a guy." That is the same to me. That that is the different side of the same coin as packaging up picks to trade for a veteran. The you get the benefit of having a younger player, sure, but you have the downside of complete gamble. Don't know if he's going to transition to the NFL. You really don't. When you right. have a veteran, you know it's a known quantity. You pretty much have an idea of what his production is at an NFL level. But you also, you know, so it's to me, it's a trade. It's two of the same thing. Well, here's the other thing too. It's you know, it's younger, but it's also a heck of a lot cheaper. You know, oh, absolutely, that, absolutely. That risk is yes. It, they're a little. They're much more of an unknown quantity, but the risk of it being so much cheaper, it allows you to potentially make another move where you're you're locking up cap space for that receiver so it's not as there's more there's more there's more advantages also by doing it through the draft you know even to get your guy that you want and also that guy may be the perfect fit you may be trading up for a guy it's like that guy that's exactly the guy for our system or maybe he has a history with daniel jones or, or who knows what I just think that the one thing that people don't really pay attention to is that like not a lot of teams really trot out like seven rookie wide receivers on their roster. No. They usually have a veteran guy, and don't forget that mm-hmm. Brandon Bean made a move for Stefan Diggs, mm-hmm. traded for Stefan Diggs in Buffalo, and that was that was. I'm not comparing Diggs and Brandon Cooks, but I mean they they traded for a veteran number one wide receiver. Right. So I, there's I'm also not, there's also more. They were further along in the rebuild. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But but see, free agency. There's a lot more to negotiate. Your cost is probably higher because you you trade away draft picks, but you inherit whatever contract they're already on. Mm-hmm. Um, free agency. I mean, we see prices. Nate Solder got his contract because of free agency. Of course. So I mean, like you have that downside as well. It's all a fucking crapshoot. But we're going to cover topics like this on our bye week episode. But that's going to be Monday. We're going to be spending this week going over a bunch of different stuff, following the news. We might have some emergency episodes as things happen or don't happen. Mm-hmm. No, we won't have one if something doesn't happen. Uh, but, <laughs> but, if, no, no, but if something no. happens, we will have uh, an emergency episode. But until that happens, we will be back here recording Monday. Or do you want to have it Monday morning release? Um, I am going to College Station this weekend to see Florida play A&M for no other reason than I get to check off it. College Station is one of my... SEC That's cities, but absolutely awesome. Let's um, let's plan on having a Tuesday because who knows okay. with uh, flights and stuff. So there you have it. Tuesday morning, you know where to find us. YouTube, if you want to see me extra bald and bearded. Uh, but if you don't <laughs> I got a really care, today from, too. Oh, there you go. Uh, if you don't really care about our haircuts, um, <laughs> you could just listen on iTunes, Spotify, iTunes. I said already, Google Play, iTunes or iTunes. iTunes. Yeah, make sure you're on iTunes also. Um, if you have an Apple device, you can listen to us on iTunes as well. Um, 
But of course, follow us on Twitter as well. Where, but like the emergency news, like we will be right there with it. So I'm at football underscore grump. He's at the cranky fan. We will see you all next week. Go Giants. Go Giants.